Hello, gang. Happy Friday, May 31st, 2019. Welcome to Sidebar with John Duran, a show that uh, we created to focus on LGBT politics, law, culture, history, and just general fabulousness. All of that uh, contained in one two-hour show. So, um... Let me tell you what we got coming up today. We're starting out with Lori McBride. She is an incredible woman. Started out, she and her wife Donna, uh, running a a photo shop on Castro Street in San Francisco in the 1980s. She was there during the heyday of uh, San Francisco 80s. And um, the Life Lobby, Life, the acronym, uh, not pro-life, but uh, although... Technically pro-life, pro-LGBT life. Uh, Life Lobby for Individual Freedom and Equality was named by the late Marjorie Rushforth from Santa Ana, California, uh, as our LGBT lobby in in the state of California. And Lori became the executive director of that organization uh, in 1990. In a, in a transitional phase of uh, our LGBT history as we were moving from drafting laws uh, around the epidemic, around HIV and AIDS of the 80s, and beginning to pioneer and explore ways to create and expand protections for LGBT people in the early 90s. And this was, of course, really propelled forward with the election of Bill and Hillary Clinton in 1992. And then, of course, we had setbacks with Don't Ask, Don't Tell under the Clinton administration, but we were able to push forward uh, Presidential AIDS Commission and, and ultimately the approval of the protease inhibitors and integrase inhibitors and entry inhibitors that would go on to save many, many lives post-1980s uh, uh, on the HIV-AIDS issue. But anyway, Lori stepped into all that chaos and uh, was at the forefront of uh, LGBT rights and history here in the state of California anyway. And uh, she uh, went from being camera shop owner, very similar to Harvey Milk, uh, to uh, the face of LGBT people before there were any out legislators in the state capitol. She was the face for all of us and the advocate and lobbyist for all of us. And she uh, just a dynamic woman. Now she and her wife live in a small town, very close to uh, where those terrible fires broke out in Northern California. And she tells me she was part of the fire brigade, which of course is what you would expect hardy lesbians to do in their retirement years to be part of the fire brigade. And uh, I love her. She's amazing. She'll be our first guest. And then after that, uh, we're going to get a call in from New York City. Uh, David Essay is calling in. David is the founder of Story Corps, uh, which is a a uh, company that is out there to document American history with uh, live storytelling and some people collecting their stories about their uh, lives and their achievements. And uh, his father um, is, was an openly gay man. He is the son of an openly gay man. And uh, when his dad started to tell him a bit about the history of Stonewall it was something that he, as a as a straight young man, was not really familiar with the history of Stonewall, and he was intrigued by it, and he created uh, Stonewall Out Loud, which is a project to collect the stories of not only p- persons who were present during the Stonewall Uprising back June 28, 1969, 50 years ago, next month, but... Um, to also document LGBT elders' stories uh, from uh, LGBT people all over the country. And that's what he has uh, 
pioneered and now what he's shepherding through and on the point and uh, doing it as a straight ally. And he's an incredible guy. He wrote an op-ed piece for The Advocate on his story corpse and why it's important to gather our history before it's lost forever. So uh, David, Dave will be our second guest. And then finally in the third segment, a few weeks ago we had Florian Klein on, AKA gay porn star Hans Berlin, uh, who created a musical called Shooting Star about uh, uh, where the gay porn industry intersects with life and romance. And uh, he uh, was here, and uh, they've had their opening night, and uh, he has agreed to come back and bring some members of his cast, which he is going to do. So um, I, I expect to be surrounded by a bevy of beauties. Of course, my little straight heterosexual producer here, Jason, would probably not even care. But if, it might just go right over my head. It's going to definitely go <laughs> over your head. But if I pass out, Jason, you will have to step in and take over during the interview. It's going to be a great show. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a great day. So uh, that's what we got lined up today. Looking forward to spending time with all these people and finding out what they're working on, who they are, why they do it. And that is the purpose of Sidebar. So um, you're looking forward to a great show. Thanks for tuning in to Sidebar with John Duran here on Channel Q. Why? Why? If you have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Groove is in the heart, delight, 1990s. It was a rocking time in the U.S. of A., and especially rocking here in the state of California because uh, the LGBT community was about to move out of crafting and drafting laws around an epidemic into uh, head-on LGBT issues. And at the spearhead of that effort here in the Golden State, was uh, a power lesbian who put the power in lesbian before it was fashionable to do so, the incredible Lori McBride. Lori, are you up there on the air? I am. Hi, John Duran. Hi, Lori McBride. How a delight to have you here today. Uh, that's why I picked that song by Delight, because you are a delight. <laughs> <laughs> now, you're calling in from somewhere up in the mountains in Northern California, right? Yes, yes, indeed. Is this where it happens um, to all good above, lesbians who retire? They end up in the mountains somewhere? I think so. <laughs> kind of like Yoda? Um, like you're the Yoda of the LGBT world. <laughs> yes. Well, we're just above, um, uh, living just above paradise, about a mile above the fire line. Um, so it's been really interesting up here. Um we moved here about a year ago and have been through uh, quite a, a change of scenery. Yeah. Um, right now I'm looking out on a backyard of uh, forest, and I've got uh, deer in the backyard. Um, it's 
it's beautiful. It's oh gorgeous. my God! So you went from the heart of the Castro, which is where you were when I first met you, in in the heart of LGBT life, to out with Bambi in the middle of the forest yes. in Northern California. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, we are we are here with Bambi. Yes, indeed. So, so a lot of our listeners, because we know we've got people listening, you know, now in. 23 major cities, but also on the internet and people in small towns and rural areas may not know the history of the Life Lobby or Lori McBride. I know it because I was an eyewitness to it, but you were in San Francisco. I think you had a, 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 a photocopy shop or a Xerox shop or something in the Castro, right? A print, a print shop, Print yes. shop, yeah. And you heard about this position opening up to be uh, the lead of the Life Lobby, Lobby for Individual Freedom and Equality. And uh, at the time, there were no out legislators in the state capitol. There were, there were no out legislators, and there was uh, one out staffer. The, so one one of the staff members to um, David Roberti, uh, Roberti, yep, what yes, the late was, Stan Hadley. was openly gay, yep, and nobody else. Wow! So there was you. You had to put a face on uh, what LGBT looked like for a lot of these legislators. Yes, yes, and I used to um, roam the halls, um, uh, <laughs> going. Because I knew there were gay people there, and I knew there were lesbians there, but none of them were out. And I would, I would roam the halls, muttering to myself, "Here, lesbian, 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 <laughs> <laughs> come here, little gay guy, little gay guy, little gay guy, come on out, <laughs> <Yes>. come on out." <laughs> That's so. But funny. it was it was back in the day. It was very dangerous for people to uh, to come out. They could lose their jobs, which is a absolute opposite of what it is now because now legislators want gay people on their staff and so uh, you know i i find this um incredible because uh back then it was people were literally afraid that they could lose their job or uh, foreclose any possibility of moving to another job mm. I know Art Agnos, uh, the assembly member from San Francisco, had introduced a bill called AB1, which would have afforded uh, employment pr- protections and employment uh, for LGBT people. Or back then, I think it was primarily lesbian and gay, although arguably would have covered trans as well. But at that at that time, the bill kept getting vetoed by Republican Governor George Duke Majin and. You walked in, and I think one of the, the pieces of legislation that you have become synonymous with is AB 101, uh, yes. which would have done the same thing. And that was introduced in 19, I think it was 90, in the legislative session that started in 90. Yes. And, uh, in, and it was quite the battle. You know, we would never, um, we would never have an extra vote. I know you remember that. Yeah, we, yeah. <laughs> it was always down to the wire, and we would uh, run around on the day that the the bill would come up, and uh, and count votes and make sure that all of our yes votes were there, um, which sometimes involved dragging people out of bars, um, and and one time, <laughs> one notable time, getting a, a, a legislator to come in from the hospital. Oh, my gosh. Um, actually on a gurney with an IV in his arm, came in to cast a deciding vote. 
so it was always a matter of um uh you know right to the wire and and making sure that we had all of our votes lined up and there and I remember that I think that, that well, I, I guess many people claim to be the 41st vote for AB 101, but one of those people was uh, Assemblymember Tom Umberg from Garden Grove, uh, Orange County, yes. California, uh, who's now a state senator uh, up in the Capitol. So he's come full circle. Yes. <laughs> yep. I, he's still there. Good old Tom Umberg. Now, I remember because uh, it was a day of infamy in my head that September the 29th, 1991, uh, Governor Pete Wilson vetoed AB 101 after promising uh, during the election that he would sign that bill if he became governor. And what happens next is unbelievable. Well, I mean, I could describe it, but I think I'm going to ask you to describe what happened on the veto of AB 101. Well, it, yes. Um, basically, people in in our community who had fully expected it to, to be signed uh, woke up, were were outraged, and descended on the Capitol en masse. And um, and even though we who were in the Capitol had been working with police and others about you know like don't overreact and this and that, we came out that morning and found that the entire Capitol building itself had been ringed with um fencing <laughs> and to to block protesters um and it was and there were police everywhere um and it was like this confrontation had from hell had been set up um and and really just the reaction overreaction of the police were was going to trigger an overreaction from people who were obviously outraged at the veto. Um, and one of the most dramatic moments was when some of the some of the crowd started pushing against the fences and literally trying to take the barriers down so that they could get into the Capitol. And it was Connie Norman who got on the microphone and and literally stopped a riot from happening. I love Connie. We've talked about Connie many times. Uh, Connie Norman was from ACT UP Los Angeles, transgender woman. We had Mary Lucy on the show from ACT UP a few months ago, and we talked so fondly of Connie and our remembrances of Connie. Uh, and and what happened, of course, is uh, people that day, that September 29th and the days that followed and even weeks that followed, were protesting in the Castro in San Francisco, all over West Hollywood and greater Los Angeles, in San Diego in the Hillcrest, Orange County and on Garden Grove Boulevard. There were people who were activated into the streets over the veto of this very simple piece of legislation that you and I couldn't get people to get involved with prior to the veto, at least not yes. as active as they were after the veto of the legislation. Yes, that is that is very true. But that uh, all of that energy uh, was not wasted, absolutely, um, because the next year we were able to get this, this, a similar bill, not the exact same bill, but the similar bill for employment protections through the legislature and on again onto the desk of Pete Wilson. And this time, 
when it came to <laughs> the, the point where he would sign it or not sign it, I got a call from the governor's office asking me uh, about the plans of the uh, community to to riot and did did I think that they would riot again like they had before because you remember when um, uh, when Pete Wilson after the veto he couldn't go anywhere without uh, having protesters there in his face at every event everything that he did there were protesters so they I got to get this call and what did I think? And of course, what I thought was that if he vetoed it again, that there would be uh, problems again. And I believe that that is one of the reasons why he signed that bill. Sometimes it pays off for people to get angry out in the streets. Absolutely. Always pays off. Yes. We're going to go to a quick commercial break. When we come back, more about our LGBT history and her story from the incredible Lori McBride. Thanks for tuning in to Sidebar with John Duran here on Channel Q. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Oh, Jason, I already forgot who that is and what the song that is, but it was very 90s. She Keeps Me Warm. Ah, she Keeps Me Warm hey. by Mary, Mary, Mary on... Lambert. Lambert, That's yes. You see, I know Macklemore and Ryan, of course, took that too, but it was Mary Lambert's song. And speaking of She Keeps Me Warm, Lori McBride keeps my heart warm all the time. Welcome back, Lori, to the show. Well, thank you. Yeah. We were just talking about the veto of AB 101 and, and what happened. And at least here in Los Angeles, uh, the protests went on for two weeks. And uh, we were at, at one point, September 30th, I remember because it was my birthday, September 30th, we had 10,000 protesters at the corner of Santa Monica Boulevard and San Vicente in West Hollywood. And, you know, I, I think in San Francisco, you know, a protest happens every day about something uh, but people in los angeles we're just too cool for school you know we're too busy building up our gym bodies and getting our tans in and, and our mani petty and and all the other stereotypes that come with being an angelino and to suddenly see ten thousand people out on the street uh in los angeles was uh earth shattering uh, unbelievable it was it was quite extraordinary it really it really was yeah, and and I tell people, yes, there was anger about the veto of AB one hundred and one, the the employment protection bill, but it was something deeper than that. We had been burying friends, spending so many times and hours in hospitals, at funerals, at memorials. We were carrying the water on a plague. We had religious extremists attacking us uh, daily. Uh, we were fighting for our lives and our right to work, and and all we asked for was a shred of dignity. Please let me keep my job and not even that was going to be afforded to us and and it ended up i think getting people all the way from the radical left of queer nation and act up all the way over to center right to suddenly get out in the streets and say f this 
this is crazy. We're, we're, we're going to end up all being radicalized for a bit of time. Absolutely. And the, uh, the anger in, in the community was palpable, uh, and it really motivated people to come out, uh, come out to their colleagues, come out to their friends, come out to their families. Um, and I believe that that is one of the things that was uh, a, a huge game changer in, in, our, in our movement and in our success. Um, so not only did you have the work that was going on in the legislature um, and the work that was going on uh, socially, but the, the, the sheer numbers of people who suddenly got mad and said, hey, I am here, I am living a life, and I will be taken seriously, was um, the, the point at which we could no longer be ignored. And I think I think later that year or shortly after there was a march on Sacramento. I remember that to, uh, that came yeah. out of the veto of AB one hundred and one. And then the following year in ninety three, there was another national march on Washington that occurred. The third one, uh, yes. all out of this little piece of legislation, Lori McBride, that you were at the head of. <laughs> yes, and um, and I don't want to forget here some of the the heroes uh, of the movement. Uh, yourself included, that made that legislation possible. Um, the work of um, folks at, at, at CLU, at Lambda Legal, uh, especially John Davidson and Jenny Pizer. I mean, people invested blood, sweat, and tears into that little piece of legislation. Yeah, Jenny's actually going to be a guest later in June. Uh, she's coming on the show, looking forward to hosting her here on the sidebar. And, of course, so many others that are no longer here. The late Bob Craig, the publisher of Frontiers, and uh, and so many people that we lost. Late Connie Norman, we've already talked about. So many of our friends that were lost. Yes. You were the target of uh, a lot of religious extremists and fundamentalists, I think, including the the so-called Reverend Lou Sheldon of the Traditional Values Coalition. How how was that to to be targeted as uh, people, something people said was just evil because you were a lesbian? It was constant. Um, And in the Capitol, I I felt like I had a target on my back. Um, And Lou Sheldon was one of the, is one of the most despicable human beings that I have ever encountered. Um, I remember vividly uh, being on a talk show with him and he very nonchalantly looked over at me and he said, well, the only reason you're a lesbian is because, uh, because of your father. And I was was so dumbfounded. I actually walked off the set. Uh, I just couldn't believe that he was allowed to say that kind of thing and get away with it. But he was. He was crazy. He he and a former member of Congress, Bill Dannemeyer, were the ones going around saying that homosexuals emitted spores in the air that carried the AIDS virus. Oh, my God. Well, and you remember my favorite Lou Sheldon story is is one day we were in the Capitol and I was lobbying and I walked into the men's room and there was a a wall with five urinals. And who was it? Urinal number one? 
Lou Sheldon. So guess which <laughs> oh, urinal no. the infamous John Duran took to pee at? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> urinal number two. <laughs> I've never seen anybody skedaddle so quickly out of a men's room in my life. <laughs> so I got him back for you, Lori. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I didn't know that story. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was so much fun. He was a nutbag. He's still alive. And hopefully whatever is tormenting his soul will end up getting resolved before he ends his life or in the next world. He'll have to make make do for all the harm he caused LGBT people. You were at the, the Helm of the Life lobby for how many years? Uh, ten years. Oh, my gosh. That is a long, long, long journey. Well, you, my dear, lifted a lot of heavy uh, buckets of of water for uh, thousands and thousands of people. So you are absolutely deserving of time in the mountains uh, up near Paradise, California. Well, thank you. Yeah. (laughs) You should write a book. I mean, you're one of those people I've said, she should write a book because you saw so much uh, historical change for our people. And as we're celebrating the 50-year anniversary of Stonewall, I think it's important that we remember all these steps along the way, including the ones that you let us through. Incredible period of time. Well, you know... The vigilance is uh, something that we we have to be uh, ever after, ever vigilant, because uh, what, we're, what we're watching today is the unraveling of so much work done by so many people. Um, and we're safe here in California because of the legislature that's in place, and but but you know the administration at the federal level is something that is a true danger we we cannot rest on our laurels we cannot just assume that we're forever safe um because this administration is truly bent on and on unraveling all of our rights across the board Well, to quote one of our founders, Thomas Jefferson, eternal vigilance is the price of liberty. Thus saith Thomas Jefferson, third president of the United States. Lori, we're running out of time. Will you come back again someday? I always love having you on the show. And just to hear your voice makes me feel warm and comfy all over. I would love to. All right. Thank you, Laurie McBride. When we come back, we'll be talking to David Essay from New York City about chronicling LGBT elder stories. Thanks for tuning in here on Sidebar with John Duran on Channel Q. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got 
got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. Hot fun in the summertime, 1969, New York City. Our next guest is calling in from New York City, uh, Dave Isay. Dave, uh, did I pronounce your name correctly? It's Isay, but it's, it's close enough, John. Dave Isay. And, and Dave, That's in right. preparation for our time today, I did a little research and, and read the op-ed piece that you wrote for The Advocate, and, and I read the story of Story Corps and all about Stonewall Out Loud. And I got to say, if you were here in Los Angeles, I'd want you to be my friend because you're doing oh. incredible <laughs> stuff. Incredible stuff. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that. So the story is, and I'll let you t- tell our listeners, you, you are the son of an openly gay man, and and talk talk a bit about the inspiration uh, behind creating Stonewall Out Loud. Sure. Um, so I I, um, I am the proud son of of a gay dad who unfortunately passed away eight years ago um, on uh, the anniversary of Stonewall on June twenty eighth. Um, he was uh, his name was Richard Isay, and he was a well known um, psychiatrist who um, who advocated for. Um, uh, removing uh, homosexuality from the DSM-4, DSM-3, and, and, you know, fought to make sure that it wasn't uh, uh, considered a mental illness. He was an incredible man, um, a towering figure in my life. And I um, went on, before he passed away, um, to create something called StoryCorps, which is this massive oral history project. We have booths all over the country. People may know of us from public radio. But basically, you bring a loved one to the booth, uh, uh, a friend, grandparent, and you sit there for 40 minutes in the StoryCorps booth. I had made radio documentaries for public radio for decades before starting this. And I knew that, you know, when you have a microphone, it gives you the license to talk about important things. So you sit with your grandmother in a booth for 40 minutes. There's a facilitator. It's a sacred space. And people think of it as if I had 40 minutes left to live, what would I say to this person who's so important to me? Um, and at the end of a session, you get a copy. And another one stays with us and goes to the Library of Congress. And we've had about half a million people participate. Um, so it's the largest collection of human voices ever gathered. Uh, and we also, uh, a couple of years ago, released an app that makes it possible to record these StoryCorps interviews to honor someone who you care about anytime, place on your mobile device and with one tap upload it to the Library of Congress. So we ha- we're doing a special project in June which is tomorrow, <laughs> all the way to the <laughs> end of here. June. It's here. It's here. Yeah, it's here. Yeah. Um, and it's on, in honor of the 50th anniversary of Stonewall. And basically, we're asking the country, this is, you know, StoryCorps is very much about intergenerational interviews. And we are asking the country to uh, pick up the mobile device, pick up the StoryCorps app, and find an elder, an LGBTQ elder, someone who was alive before Stonewall, and record those stories what it was like to be gay in the era, era before Stonewall, 
while we still can. It's a it's a little bit in the spirit of um, Steven Spielberg's Shoah Project, documenting mm-hmm. the stories of Holocaust survivors uh, before they all died. And you know, there's as, as you know, there's very very little history, especially if you're talking about rural communities, people of color, trans elders. What was it like in the 1940s, in the 1950s, in the 1960s to be gay? And um, and we need to we need to. Look at our history. You know, the, the, there's that famous Maya Angelou line, history, despite its wrenching pain, cannot be unlived, but if faced with courage, need not be lived again. And that's kind of the spirit of, of Out Loud. And it's very much, um, you know, to me, um, the, the, this is in honor of my, my dad, who was just such a such a, a remarkable man. Yeah, you hear that sidebar? So we, we think we got about 20,000 people tuning in right now across the country, including yeah. in a lot of small towns and rural areas listening on radio.com. And so if you're tuning in and you know somebody that fits the description that Dave just described, uh, my gosh, let's put put them in the Library of Congress to preserve right. uh, history and prosperity. That's and, and we all do. We all we all know, we, we all know um, elders. Uh, um, and it, you know, there's a ton of information about how to do this. Also on our website at StoryCorps s t o r y c o r p s dot org org dot org slash outloud o u t l o u d. And um, you can also pledge to do a number of interviews there. So we want to and please spread the word. This is really fantastic. A few weeks ago, we had uh, Dr. Don Kilhefner on the show. He's one of the founders of the Radical Fairies, which was yeah. an, an offshoot of the Mattachine Society. And he's now, uh, what do you tell us, Jason, 82 years old? He's yep. up there. And uh, it'd be great. I'd love to interview him and submit him for the Library of Congress. Well, do it. Yeah, please. yeah that, that would be fantastic. So in your collecting stories, um, have you had the opportunity to do any of the interviews? Oh, sure. I mean, I did the first StoryCorps interview ever. Um, and in terms of out loud interviews, you know, I interviewed my dad when he was still uh, alive. And, you know, I listened to it for the first time the night that he died. Um, and I'm an older dad. I have young kids. And I knew that this was the only way that they were going to get to know this, you know, figure who is just such a beyond important person in my life. Uh, and that's, you know, I thought I couldn't believe in StoryCorps any more, more, any more deeply than I did. But that night at three in the morning, you know, listening to my dad talk about his life, talk about the man he had, um, he would have married later after that interview. He got married a couple months before he died um, after the Supreme Court decision. Um, and uh, what a difference it made in his life to be truly himself. Um, and to let my kids hear that is so important. And, you know, again, I mean, I think that n- no one no one more than the LGBTQ community knows about the fragility of life, that, you know, it's really important to take the time to listen, to thank people who mean something to us, to say, who are you? What was your life like? How do you want to be remembered? You know, to, to you know, for I like to think of StoryCorps as kind of shaking you on the shoulders and reminding you what's important. And on this, you know, on this historic anniversary, you know, to take an hour to listen to an elder and uh, to save that that voice and that story for history is just incredibly important. Dave, we got to do a quick commercial break, but when we come back, let's hear more about this. Gang, we're talking to Dave Isay, uh, New York City, about StoryCorp's new project, Stonewall Out Loud. Uh, thanks for tuning in to Sidebar with John Duran here on Channel Q. Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. 
spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Fifth Dimension Aquarius, also a top tune during the summer of 1969, during the Stonewall uh, Uprising in New York City. And we're talking to David Isay uh, from uh, New York about uh, Story Corps and their project uh, that they've created for Stonewall Out Loud. Dave, I, I have to ask you, my, uh, my best friend is a, a lesbian mom named Diane Abbott, and she has two sons who are now um, grown-ups and... Um, I know I've talked to them over the years about what it was like to be raised by a gay parent, and I wonder if that's a topic you'd be willing to, to chat yeah, about. Yeah, of course. Yeah, so, of course. so you were uh, in Brooklyn uh, and growing up in, the what, the 1960s? Or, 60s and 70s, 60s yeah. and 70s. I was born in 65, yeah. All right, and you're, you're the, the child of a gay dad, uh, who a pretty prominent gay dad if he's working to remove homosexuality from uh, the APA list. What, what was that like growing up? And I mean, was it something you talked about with your peers, that your dad was gay, or something that was to be avoided? Or, or how did that evolve? Sure. Well, first of all, I'll say that um, I'm not sure I've ever been asked that question before in an interview. <laughs> I've done thousands of them. It's good to talk about it. I always like to talk about my dad. Um, I didn't, he didn't come out to me until he was 21. Well, I was 21. So he was 50. Um, he, had, um, he had been with his partner, Gordon, for 15 years, I think, before coming out. Um, so my mom was aware of it, but he, they kept it from us kids. Uh, so I know that, you know, it was, it was very painful for him, um, and it was hard for my mom as well. Uh, and, you know, these, this is what life was like back then. Um, so he was living a, a, a double life, and, you know, once he finally, um, you know, came out and was, um, uh, you know, publicly with Gordon, um, you know, that's when he became his true and real self. And, he, and as, as, you know, in that interview I was talking about with him, the StoryCorps interview, uh, years before he died, he talked about how, you know, the, the, these were the happiest days of his life. Wow. So 1986, he comes out to you. You're 21 years old. And, yeah. and what, what, are, what are you thinking about your dad? Are you concerned about him? Are you worried something's going to happen to him? Well, I mean, this was, 86 was, I was, um, well, first of all, this was, it was 87. Um, and I, of course, was um, concerned. This was kind of in the middle of the AIDS epidemic. It was, it was shocking. I mean, my dad, you know, it's funny because um, he was, um, already, um, you know, giving a lot of speeches and doing a lot of work around, um, around the LGBT uh, community. And I just, and I would go to his speeches. Um, and, you know, we had people like Larry Kramer and all sorts of folks at the house all the time. Um, and I uh, just thought that he was a civil rights activist. It hadn't even occurred to me. <laughs> uh -huh. um, so I was really surprised. Um, 
and uh, I was worried, of course, about AIDS because this was um, uh, those that that time. It, it was it was my my brother said after this uh, after he found out a couple of months after I did that our you know our nuclear family just exploded. Um, and uh, it, it, what I did, I had just started in radio uh, making uh, radio uh, documentaries. I was still you know twenty one, twenty two years old. And I actually went out. He told me about Stonewall, um, and I went out uh, at uh, it thirty years ago, and recorded a um, the the first with with a guy, a historian in New York named Michael Shirker, who's since passed away. We did the first ever documentary about um, Stonewall. So we did a radio documentary about Stonewall, which actually YouTube is turning into a, um, a special um, that's going to be released um, late in, in June, later in June, also called um, Stonewall Out Loud. So I got to know Sylvia Rivera, who was, you know, the Rosa Parks. Of Amazing. The, the we talked about her last week on the show. Yep. Well, she was, yeah. she was one of my closest friends. Mm. So I, that was my way because I hadn't had much experience. I, I didn't think, although I guess I had had a lot of experience. I thought I didn't know a lot of gay people. So my way was to go and make a documentary and meet some of the most incredible, courageous uh, human beings I'd ever met in my life. And that documentary, you know, which ha- which came out, you know, months after I found out my dad was gay, maybe a year after, which I dedicated to him, was, um, you know, a very important moment for us. Well, this, you know, I can't help but compare and contrast with the story of another father and son in New York, and that's uh, Richard Saccharides, who's a friend of mine, yes. who went on to work in the Clinton administration, was the son of a very Charles. prominent psychiatrist, Charles Saccharides. Right. So who I was, was in touch with Richard not early, earlier this morning. So oh, how funny. Charles that's funny. And- Charles and my dad were arch enemies. Yeah, because and, Charles um, was all about uh, shaming and uh, LGBT yeah. people and trying to lock us up or keep us, uh, yeah. you know, in mental hospitals. And his son, openly gay man, uh, went on to work yeah. in the Clinton administration. Very estranged from his father. That's right. Um, and uh, he's, you know, the, the, I met him first. Uh, uh, I don't know, five or six years ago. And uh, we, I, we, and you know, here, here we were, the kids of like, my, I mean, his name came up at our dinner table all the time. They mm-hmm. were at each other's throat. They hated each other. Yep. Um, and there, there were the two sons. You know, his, his, his son gay, my dad's son straight, and uh, we, I, the two of us went as each other's date to an LGBT party the day we met in honor of our of our dad. So. <laughs> That's funny. Well, I got to tell you, um, we are so grateful for our straight allies and family members like you because this movement wouldn't be going anywhere with only 8% of the population involved. We absolutely have to have our friends, straight friends and allies and family members involved in our crusade. So thank you. Well, we're, we're, we're all grateful. in it together. We're, yeah. we're all in it together. And, and again, I hope people will pick up the StoryCorps app. Come listen to stories at, at storycorps.org slash out loud and be a part of this uh, movement. Spread the word. Let's record these stories while we still can. You know, we've got a few of the clips. Can we play the one from uh, sure. Nadeau? Because I actually listened to that one. And Nadeau yeah. were the two uh, soldiers that fell in love. Let's, let's play a little clip uh, from Stonewall Out Loud StoryCorps. Jason, you ready to run? So why start with my name and all that stuff? Okay, we'll see how it works. Hello, my name is Jerry Nadeau. I'm with John Banvard. And I was born in Brooklyn, New York. No, 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 no. You gotta say your name and everything. Hello, my name is... Hello, my name is John Banvard. I am 100 years of age. Wow, see, that that's amazing. And that that's what uh, StoryCorps is all about, right, Dave? 
Yeah, and and you know they go on to talk about getting married inside the um, their uh, senior home, and uh, you know it, it's interesting. One of the things we're going to start doing is reaching out, and again, we want everybody who wants to help us with this. Everyone possible wants to help us with this. We need your help. We're going to start reaching out to um, doing a hard push in um, uh, senior uh, living, assisted living, senior living facilities. And I, I had, I mean, this speaks to, you know, the, the, the SAGE, which is the great organization that works with LGBTQ elders, and also Grio Circle, which works with, elder, with elders of color, are working with us on this. But, you know, I had a call with um, a guy who runs one of the largest um, conglomerations of senior facilities in the country, I mean, uh, 80 or 90 facilities, who wanted to help, and he put a call out into the facilities to see who identified as gay, and, and zero. Nobody did. Wow. Um, and, you know, it's people going back into the closet and not feeling comfortable in these facilities. And my dream is that in the month of June, um, as we get the word out, that some people will just be, you know, screw it. And just come out and uh, talk about who they are and, and, and leave a record of, of their lives so we can learn from it. Well, so, listeners, sidebarettes, you heard the challenge. You know, if you know somebody, an LGBTQ elder, whose story should be preserved in the Library of Congress, get on the StoryCorp Stonewall Out Loud project and interview your friend or family member and let's make them part of our history. Dave, we're run out of time. Would you please say hello to Richard Saccharides? And if you're ever in the City of Angels, I hope you'll look me up. I'd love to meet you in person. I w- I will indeed on both counts. Thanks so so much, John. All right, Dave. Thank you. You're listening to Sidebar with John Duran here on Channel Q. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Don't tell mama from Cabaret. Don't speak in a don't tell mama. We're in studio with Florian Klein, a shooting star where gay porn meets musicality. And uh, three of his cast members who I just met, Talbert, Perez, Perez, I said it right, and Chris. Um, welcome, everybody, to Sidebar with John Durant. Hey there. Thanks, All right. for having us. Thanks for having us, yeah. So, Florian, you don't have the benefit of the headset, but why don't you tell our listeners, because we've got about probably about 20,000 people across the country tuning in right now. Oh, my God, a I'm little bit about uh, Shooting Star and what's uh, what premiered in Los Angeles. Well, week. Shooting Star is a musical love story set in the world of gay porn. It's loosely based on my own experiences in the adult film world. A.K.A. Hans Berlin. Yeah, can you yeah. say that on the air? <laughs> I, I just no. did. That, that, that's not one of the 13 dirty words. Okay. Hans Berlin. Google it. Now Google you know Hans what I, Berlin what and you'll I see what like. I'm talking to. And uh, I was surprised when I got into the industry that there's actually real people, that there's a family of friends that I found, that there's love and actually really nice people people um, that I met there and that's why I felt I wanted to write a musical about it to uh, destigmatize the industry to humanize the industry right. and that's Shooting Star we premiered last week May 25th uh, at the Hudson Theater in Hollywood on Santa Monica awesome and uh, this weekend is almost sold out and we are in our second week this this week that's awesome so I mean turning to our guests now uh, Talbot Betes and uh, Chris 
I assume none of you are actual porn stars. Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> Not publicly. You're, you're anyway. <laughs> and I'm, I'm guessing that, uh, I'm just going to guess, my gaydar is pretty keen, and I'm going to probably guess that none of you are gay either. But, uh, you know, I've been wrong a hundred times. You're not allowed to ask if your actors are gay. On Sidebar, I, I ask whatever I want to ask. We'll keep you guessing. Uh, all right, we'll keep you guessing. But you're all beautiful. You're all beautiful. <laughs> and, and maybe you play gay, like Sean Penn or Eric McCormick. But, but uh, tell us what it was like to think about, I'm going to go audition for what? Sure. So um, when I got the the appointment for my agent, I kind of laughed it off and said, I'll go do this just to kind of keep in practice and I won't actually get the role. I won't even think about it later. And then I got a callback and in the callback, it was specified that we had to uh, reveal ourselves, uh, be fully nude because in the show we are fully nude. Um, And so we jumped that hurdle and then I got the role and had to come face to face with it. But I got nude and you better have abs too. Yeah. We, there are lyrics about (laughs) my abs. Okay. There you go. We have a lot of abs and (laughs) sexiness in the show. Um, but uh, what was so great about it was when, when I got the script and, and listened to the songs, it was so reassuring that it, it was more than surface level. Uh, uh, the content was more than surface level. It was actually had a lot of depth to it, which I was surprised by uh, because I feel like because you'd musical. met Florian. I'm, no. <laughs> exactly. When you hear porn musical, there's a certain stigma about it, I think, and, right. and that was kind of busted, so that right. was nice. Yeah. Betas, you are uh, obviously, uh, what, Latino? You're Puerto Rican? I'm, I'm mixed, yes. Puerto Rican, black, Italian. Okay. Yeah. And, and so here you are, and you're playing one of these characters, and... Uh, what was it like for you to make the decision to go audition for this? Uh, for me, it was actually interesting. I um, I was excited and nervous by it. It's one of those things. It's very it's a very vulnerable place to be as an actor. Like, oh, okay, I'm gonna go in there and show my body. I'm gonna have to get naked for this this callback. This is this is a lot. But but it was really intriguing to me the content and the fact that porn and musicals were being put together. I just was kind of mind blown. So I was very interested I was like I just need to see what this is about and um, it, it really pulled me just to see like oh what goes on behind the curtain you know what what, yeah. what really happens and just to be able to be a part of that kind of excited me and maybe nervous so I love that energy when you get nervous to do something and <laughs> you get excited to do something it's a challenge so that's something I was really looking forward to expands yeah. your comfort zone yeah, yeah. De- definitely yeah Chris you play the villain and I have to tell you the villains are always the most fascinating characters in any antagonist protagonist right what's it like what was your process like to decide to audition were you thinking about the villain part or um, no I at first I was as the others said uh, you're like okay what is this and then I <laughs> I, I got a hold of some, you know, the sides and, and heard a little bit of the music and uh, and realized it was nothing like this. And that it's not really about the stigma part. It's about the family part of this. As the director had said one time, and I think he said it really well, um, he said this show is actually more wholesome than what you think. It really makes you love these characters and people. It's not just about the, the porn part. Obviously, that's a huge part. But So for me, once I kind of got my head wrapped around that... Um, and read a couple of the sides, one of them which is very, um, it's a tough one, tough scene. Um, I'm like, this nothing's like this I've seen. I, I kind of want to, to, I want to do it. Like, I want to see what it's like to, to bring this kind of uh, show that's never really been done, uh, be the first person to really do it, really. Yeah. So um, I'm very proud of it. And it, it's funny when you try to explain to people because they immediately have the same reaction we all did. And I'm like, look, you got to see this. It's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. It's going to make you cry. It's going to make you laugh. It's really more about a family than than you would guess. Yeah. Um, and I love being the one 
one of those 13 words you would say. I'm, I'm like, my character is like all of them. He's terrible, but uh, it's fun doing A horse's patootie is That's basically what you're saying. It's a big juicy one, yes. Yeah, so yeah, it's, it's been an awesome experience. And everyone, that, everyone's really good in the show. So besides this gig, I, I'm also the part-time mayor and council member of West Hollywood, and uh, I have a long-term partner, uh, Mark, who is a.k.a. Kurt Young. That was his name. He was one of Chi-Chi's boys at uh, Falcon. Yes, Chi-Chi LaRue. Larry, we want you on the show some week. So uh, the porn industry has been part of uh, LGBT culture. Uh, for a very long time, all the way back to William Higgins, and then the very first porn star, Jeff Stryker, who's agreed to come on the show, uh, it was is actually a straight guy who did gay porn and put his kids through school off and the money he made. I believe he gets a shout out in our show even. Yeah. Does he? he? does. Yeah. <laughs> Chuck, his real name is Chuck Payton. Because did Chuck's you know that Jeff Stryker, uh, you can watch him on YouTube, he's tried a singing career as well. I've heard it. Yes. I, so we're mentioning him in the show. Okay. <laughs> I love Chuck, but I hope you guys sing better than Chuck did. <laughs> <laughs> I do. What do you say? <laughs> you guys all sing too. Yes. We do, yes. yeah. You sing? I mean, yeah. can you it's sing something? It's a some? musical. Yeah, I, I get it, but not everyone sings in the music. Can you guys... Uh, uh, like distract Sing a little. Oh man! You don't have to. You know, I, I know it's a different one. You don't have maybe, to. Maybe after the commercial break. Okay, we'll, we'll, so take, we'll figure out something. Get warmed up first. Yes. Yeah, we'll get yeah. your voices get warmed up. Perfect. So I saw the stage reading, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing the show. And and it's actually to me, uh, this is art in its purest form because it's supposed to be provocative. It's supposed to get people uncomfortable, and they're supposed to deliver a message at the same time. And there is a message behind shooting stuff. There is, and I think the most important art in the world is something that everyone can universally relate to, or if not relate, they can find some meaning in it for themselves. And the industry of porn, as as many people as... Uh, there are so many people who partake in it, but they don't actually, it seems pretty unreachable for most people. So this is a story that's very classically told, just in a different medium than is usually portrayed on stage. Right. And that makes the messages of love, of romance, of family, um, reachable and attainable for so many right. audience members. Well, West Side Story, what musical, was it really about race and ethnicity in mm -hmm. New York City? I mean, ultimately, it is Romeo and Juliet, right, but right. retold. Right. Uh, retold in West Side Story. So you're retelling a classic story. Maybe it's Romeo and Romeo. In I'm not sure. Different context. <laughs> in a very, Romeo. In a very yeah, different context. Ranchier. <laughs> but I mean, what's interesting about that is like, yeah, the story between Romeo and Romeo that is so often not told at right. this point or ignored in America. So th that's right. what this, this this story does and this show does. You know, we everyone uh, either has someone quote-unquote gay, transgender, bisexual, somebody in their life, whether it's family, whether it's a friend, that is kind of family to them, right. or they are themselves. Right. And it's interesting because the show shows the reality and the truth of how there is so much of that, that we all are connected to it, and it allows us to, like, talk about it again and just yeah. kind of look at it in a positive way. Yeah. You know, I know when I saw Naked Boys singing way back when, the, the nudity, of course, was the hook that got me there. And after about, you know, 10 minutes of nudity, I don't even notice that there's nudity mm, happening right, anymore. Right, yeah, so, yeah. It, it's, it's well done. Ask about our nudity. Oh. I'm not going to ask about your nudity. I'm worried I'm going to have to get Jason to bleep one no, of the 13 to my nudity. Stay the on show. I'm, I'm saying the show. We, we have some nudity in the show as well. Michael Bella, our director, um, he portrays the porn industry like with actual real nudity. And as some uh, a critic said the other day, he said because it's in such a small space of the, the, the Hudson Theater, it, it's, it is sexy, but it also makes you feel uncomfortable. And that's what, that's what it should be. It yeah. should show you that, that when 
when we take off our clothes, it's not just it's not just hot, but it also we we we, we take off a, a, a layer of protection yeah. that protects protects us from 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 society's. It's, it's Gay Pride weekend next weekend. I haven't eaten pasta in a month. <laughs> Just because I'm preparing that. to get half naked next weekend. Neither All right, we. we need to go to commercial break. We're talking to Florian Klein and the cast of Shooting Star. We'll be back after this commercial break here on Sidebar with John Duran on Channel Q. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Shining star, earth, wind, and fire. Not exactly shooting star, but the closest <laughs> thing we could find. Welcome back, gang. Uh, we are talking to, to Florian Klein. I'm going to try to get all these names now. Tobert Nadalini. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, wait, where's Betes? I don't see Be- oh, Betes Richardson yep, yep. and and uh, Christopher Robert Smith, cast members from Shooting Star. Welcome back, guys. Hey, and thank you, shooting thank you. Star is now playing at the Hudson Theater until June 30th. Um, you can Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and you can get tickets if you go on. Uh, uh, on stage 411.com slash star yeah you obviously you are the producer you got the yes. plug out there early so we didn't forget so we didn't forget no we've got to get out there and support like I'm going to come but I ins- I'm buying a ticket I am not going to let you give Thank me you, one sir. we need to support the arts and uh, I hope people get out into the Hudson and see this before well I'm sure you'll get extended then Let's let's see. Uh, right now, we we we. It's a strictly limited engagement. But okay. let's see. Maybe if uh, if uh, L.A. wants us to, we're going to get extended because we're the biggest little show in L.A. right now. <laughs> and our tickets are $20, 30 and forty dollars. I love. $40 if I you're love in the first when row. the producer of Florian Klein comes out. That is awesome. Well, I am the writer, and I didn't find a producer because we talked about it the yep. other day because yep. of the gay subject, because of the porn subject. So I took matters in my own hands and became the producer. Thanks to my actual producer, Raquel Lerman from the Theater Planners, because she yeah. does all the work behind the scenes and books all these amazing talents. You know, in the, the whole stereotype about Germans being aggressive, it's just, I don't know. No, I, I don't know where that comes from. <laughs> I've never yeah. seen it. They also, they also say we're not funny, and I'm hilarious. You are hilarious. Right. You, are. you are hilarious. You will laugh at my jokes. No. So fucked. That was not a dirty word, by the way. No. I know all the dirty words. I have many good friends in Berlin. I know all the no. dirty words. I'm well, not, I'm not surprised. I, I, yes, I have been to Tom's Bar in uh, Berlin. And but, to Berkheim. Yes, but I'm. we're digressing. Let's get back to Shooting Star. All right, guys. So uh, do you want to try to sing something yeah, from the show? Yeah, we can sing a Okay, audience, listen. We don't have a tuning fork. We don't even have a pitch pipe in the studio. So they're just going to like pull something out here without the benefit of instruments behind them, and we'll just see what happens. Should we explain what? Yeah, this yeah, is explain. one of the fun songs in the show um, where my character, Tiger Black, is... He kind of is the recruiting evildoer slash friend at the same time. So he's a very interesting character. Um, so this is uh, where he's trying to more or less convince Taylor, like, hey, it's you should do this. It's no problem. It's What's the big deal? Come on, let's have fun. Let's party. So the song is called Party Like a Porn Star. And, and party <clears throat> as in drugs. Yes, as, well, as in right? drugs. Yes. Rock and roll, all of it. Just a short yeah. snippet. Um, <laughs> yeah, short snippet. Here it is. 
Rules are better when you break them. Drugs are better when you take them. You can live like you're alive or be a boring nine to five. You and I deserve attention. You and I, Uberman Sean. You got to party like a porn star. Uh, <laughs> nice. There, there we go. We go. That, that, is, that was. Thank you. Thank you. That Good was morning. a beautiful tenor voice. <laughs> I would cast you in Jesus Christ Superstars, Judas, with that voice. Actually, Ooh. because of the show I've been I've been told that five times now. yes I'm like, oh yeah. wow all right yes yes that is definitely the voice of Judas and Jesus Christ <laughs> Andrew Lloyd Webber I hope you're tuning in in New York City or wherever you are <laughs> that's awesome guys congratulations Thank on you. the opening so are any of you in a personal relationship with girlfriend spouse I mean did anyone have to explain what they were doing to a significant other and you don't have to answer that if you don't <laughs> want to. but I wouldn't be a good interviewer if I I'd didn't actually, ask these I, questions I'd actually like to share about about um, explaining this to my mother that, there, one, that yeah. would be a, that a good one was okay there's a the, good one I was scared to it was two weeks into rehearsals before I, before I even tried to tell her my sister knew and some friends knew and you know I just didn't want her to judge me in some certain way because everyone is and I was like but it's not a uh, it's not like that it's not about that and don't judge you know and she instantly was like that's cool <laughs> I was blown away I grew up with a very intense Puerto Rican like domineering mother like I expected to get smacked yes. through the phone yes being you know from I mean? a Mexican family I can completely so relate to what you're talking about and she was she was so supportive and so excited for me and she's just like are you happy is this fun are you? I was like yeah she's like well then great yeah. Like, All right. She's like, I'm not going to come see it. I was like, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's. I guess the last time she saw you naked, you were probably in diapers. Well, so, yeah. Funny enough, it wasn't. She wasn't even worried about seeing me naked. She's like, you know. I've seen you naked enough. I don't care. That was kind of a response, and I loved it. Oh, that is. Yeah, crazy. my my parents' reaction was um, they're the most supportive people. They just said, as long as you don't get into porn, as long as this isn't a gateway, <laughs> we're fine. We, it's a we won't come see it, but we're we're fine. <laughs> yeah, that's wild. I know. Chris, anything for uh, you? For me, um, my mom and dad, they just like you're just doing your thing. We trust you. I don't know what they, or we, you know, they live away out in Michigan in the woods, so they don't. I know they won't make it here, but. Uh, um, they know if I say something's good and worth doing, then it is. If not, I wouldn't bother with my time. So they're like, "That's great, good luck," and you know, knock them dead. So I didn't have to really deal with the parent stuff much. Wow. So yeah, yeah. So a little segue into West Hollywood. So West Hollywood, of course, Hugh Hefner created the Playboy Bunny Club on mm-hmm. the Sunset Strip mm-hmm. in the 1960s. Larry Kramer got the Hustler Shop set up first in West Hollywood, again on the Sunset Strip, and all the adult movie theaters in the U.S. of A. There were only two left in the entire country: Knob Hill and San Francisco. Francisco and the Studs Theater in West Hollywood and Knob Hill just closed. The last mm. standing dirty movie theater in the entire state is in uh, West Hollywood. The Studs oh, Theater. Wow. Yeah. And by the way, that's not due to lack of interest. That's due to iPhones and internet uh, yeah, and Xtube and GayTube and everywhere else you can get porn besides the uh, real the real. Well, that's that's also part of the show. Like we also talk about how how porn has changed, how the internet, uh, modern media has changed the industry, and we have a, a great song that's called Porn Will Never Leave You. <laughs> it's always been there and it won't go away. And we have a character who sings a song called uh, Those Golden Days about he's kind of an older porn star sings right. about how good it was back then. Yeah. When it was on VHS and stuff like that not just on your phone. And <laughs> yeah. Well if you look at ancient culture and it doesn't matter whether it's the Egyptians and the pyramids or the Greeks and the Romans and their classic portrayals sex has always been portrayed as part of culture. I mean Coco Pele the Navajo I think not no the uh, the uh, the uh, the American Indians in Arizona and I'm blanking 
on who they are right now. Coco Pelli originally had um, a, a third leg in the middle of all this, but he got censored when Americans sort of took over Arizona wow. culture. Yeah, Coco Pelli. Jason's looking up Coco Pelli, uh, American culture, the god of sex. He's the god of erotics. You can tell me whatever it says about Coco Pelli, but okay, Jason, what does you it say about Coco Pelli? <laughs> well, from what I see here, it just says uh, Coco Pelli is a fertility deity. There you go. Usually you go. depicted Navajo culture as a humpbacked flute player. Um, That's right. Who has been... <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Look it up yourselves. Right. Jason is my heterosexual producer, and you learn so much about oh, LGBT definitely. culture every week, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> it's wild. All right, so any, I know we can't give away the entire plot or what people are going to see at Shooting Star, but assuming someone's listening here in Southern California, okay, I'm going to go ahead and come see the show. What would, advice would any of you give to uh, somebody who's going to sit in a chair, uh, Keep your mind open, no expectations. Oh, expect the best. <laughs> As I said, we are LA's biggest little show this summer. You are gonna, I mean, the cast is phenomenal. Yeah, we'll suck you in. They're, yes. Oh, you'll love us. Okay, Chris. <laughs> <All right>. yeah. <laughs> Was that one of the 1330 words? I don't think so. I think that's actually okay. I think that's good. I think that's okay. All right. All right. I, would, I would say that the material is actually, um, It's you've probably seen it before if you've been to theater. It's a story that's familiar. Uh, the context, again, is just raw and different and as long as you come with an open mind and an open heart uh, you'll have a really really fun time and how often do you get to see a new musical nowadays I mean that's not based on any source material like a movie or a book yeah exactly and it's not a parody which is awesome I I did a lot a lot of research to to write this um, this show I did a lot of research in the adult film world that's why is that what you're calling your born career (laughs) research research that's the only reason why I got into Fine. And, and Cast me as a fluffer so I can do my research. <laughs> That's so 80s. So Talbert, I said before, like he's mini me. He's uh, he's um, um, uh, the the young the young uh, guy who comes to the young actor who comes to Hollywood to be a star. Yeah. I, when I started, I was uh, 38. Um, you were in your early 20s, I think. Yeah, yeah. So he's like more than 20 years younger than I am. That's where the fictional part comes in. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> we're running out of time, but I thank you guys for coming by. Sidebar. Thanks for having me. I really you. appreciate having you. Break a nail, uh, as we say in gay culture. Break a nail this weekend. Have, have a wonderful show, and I look forward to seeing it. Florian, thanks for coming back. Uh, on stage 411 slash star Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. <laughs> Until June 30th. Shining Star, go online, get your tickets, gang. Shooting when we come stars. back. Sorry. Shooting Star, I'm sorry. Uh, we'll be having my closing rant. Thanks for tuning in to Sidebar with John Duran here on Channel Q. Searching for a parenting podcast you'll actually want to listen to? One that covers everything from how to deal with picky eating, how to grieve a pregnancy loss, and how to not hate your partner after having kids? Well, your new favorite podcast, After Bedtime with Big Little Feelings, is here. Hosted by two BFFs, this is a no-shame parenting podcast. Listen to and follow After Bedtime with Big Little Feelings on the free Odyssey app and wherever you get your podcasts.
Welcome back, kids. Thanks for tuning in to Sidebar with John Duran today. What an incredible day. Uh, LGBT uh, Shiro, Lori McBride, first up, and then uh, straight ally, David Isay uh, at the uh, Story Corps uh, Stormwall Out Loud project, and finishing up with the cast of uh, Shooting Star, which uh, has opened this week here in Los Angeles. I hope you'll go online and get tickets. Sounds like it's going to be a, a gay old time at the, the Hudson Theater. And uh, I got to give tribute here and, and acknowledge um, ben Mims at the Los Angeles Times who wrote an op-ed called Gay Restaurants Stand Proud for the next thing I want to say because we're coming up on the 50 uh, year anniversary of the Stonewall Uprising and I think a lot of people see June 28, 1969 as a critical date in the ongoing story of uh, LGBT lives but 10 years before Stonewall 10 years before Stonewall and before the Black Cat uprising in Los Angeles in May of 1959 yes this was before even I was born uh, inside a donut shop called Cooper Donuts on South Main Street in downtown Los Angeles three individuals were arrested at the uh, Cooper Donuts why because the clothing they were wearing, the uh, the gender identity that they were presenting did not match the ones on their identification. And because uh, these three individuals uh, did not have articles of clothing that matched their gender, according to the police, they uh, were arrested at uh, Cooper Donuts. And uh, what happened next is amazing because as the police officers were making the arrest of these three individuals, Donuts started to fly, kids. <laughs> Donuts started to fly, along with coffee cups and napkins. And um, these three individuals were, of course, transgendered uh, individuals here in Los Angeles. And the other patrons there at Cooper's Donuts began to fight back the injustice of what they were observing. Good. Th- these three, pe- yeah. Thank yeah. you, Jason. These people were being arrested not for anything they did, not for anything they said, but simply for their appearance. And this is the first recording of resistance and rebellion 10 years before Stonewall, not to take away from Stonewall, not to take away from the significance of what happened on Christopher Street that night in New York City, but as a reminder that LGBTQ people have been resisting through the centuries uh, and uh, that that was just one critical night. But uh, I am going to uh, tell you that as soon as Gay Pride Weekend is over next weekend, I am going to have a donut in honor of those first resistors of May of 1959 at uh, Cooper Donuts here in Los Angeles. I hope if you're coming to Los Angeles Pride next weekend that uh, you'll be sure to stop by the Channel Q booth and say hi to all your favorite DJs from Channel Q. We will be there. And uh, thanks for tuning in. Next week, the Reverend Denise Barnes on the schism in the Methodist Church uh, over LGBT issues. And we're going to have somebody on, uh, Ryland Shelton, who actually teaches transgender people how to sing in the voice that they are now transitioning into, which I think is fascinating. So we'll see you all next week. Have a great weekend. Thanks for tuning in to Sidebar with John Duran here on Channel Q.